0: I'm your host, Dan Harris, and welcome back to another episode of Minds on B2B. Thank you so much, everyone, for clicking, subscribing, sharing, downloading, and, of course, listening to our podcast. This is a weekly show dedicated to helping busy B2B executives, marketers, and sales professionals stay informed, learn something new, and perhaps apply a lesson learned or run with an idea shared by our guests. As we say at minds On, all of our minds together are better than any one mind alone. Who knows? You just might like what you hear, connect, and network with us. Well, I know you're going to learn something on this episode, and I'm confident you're going to run with an idea, maybe even two, that were shared on this episode. Joining us once again is James Voorhees. He's the president of the Flores Group, and we're so lucky to have him join us. Uh, so a little bit about... The Flores Group, so his team, what they do is they help sales and customer facing teams eliminate barriers to the success they're having on the sales side, marketing side and they cultivate habits that really produce larger pipelines, they deliver higher win rates and they've increased revenues for their clients. In our last episode, James and I talked a lot about the concept of sales as a leadership competency. He taught us um, how to take a servant leadership approach. And focus on communicating shared goals and working with your customers to guide them to get the results that they want. And that's this idea of the growth multiplier. And that not only helps the company, but it helps the individual salesperson selling to that company and your company as well. So welcome to the show, James.
1: Pleasure to be here again, Dan. Thank yeah,
0: you. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you're very busy and um, what you have to offer the listeners is going to be incredibly beneficial.
1: Outstanding, uh, Dan. Last time we were together, we talked about uh, the idea of sales as a leadership competency. We talked about that last time. Today, we're going to talk about how we how we enable that with our universal buying cycle.
0: Okay, and you also talked in the last episode a little bit about the growth multiplier movement. So can we talk a little bit more about that as well as we as we get into
1: this? Yeah, let's do that.
0: Okay, so let's start off there. I mean, let's talk about the, the model first, describe it for the audience, and then how it aligns to uh, this idea of the growth
1: multiplier movement. Sure, so uh, the growth multiplier movement is based on uh, the Collecting Wins sales platform, and the operative part of the, the word is Wins. Um, a lot of, we like this model, one, because many folks that think of servant leadership think of a win-win scenario. Unfortunately, uh, many folks that don't understand servant leadership think that we're talking about, when we talk about win-win, they think we're talking about everyone gets a trophy. That's not <laughs> the case. Uh, what we're talking about. I want a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> what we're talking about is is the end result of any uh, negotiation where both parties, Feel like they come out winning they come out with their goals achieved so it's not about everybody gets a a, everybody gets a a trophy implying that we don't earn it Uh, we don't earn the trophy this is about everyone in the in the deal coming out feeling like their goals are being addressed the impacts that they want to achieve are being addressed so collecting wins is about that and we leverage the wins W-I-N-S to frame out the model. So I'd like you to just, I'll I'll explain the model since we're not using visuals here uh, by leveraging a a story. Think about uh, when you approach, when a salesperson approaches a client for the first time, the most important quality you can display is curiosity. It's about really starting with an understanding of the buyer and the problem the buyer believes they have and is trying to solve. And you wanna move from curiosity to clarity. You want to have clarity about the actual uh, the actual we call it the real problem because not often it's not often a buyer truly understands the problem they're facing. Uh, they need our expertise for that. And so we come to clarity around the definition of the real problem and the solution that we can deliver that's going to give them the best outcomes. Okay. So to do that we start, we leverage wins. We start with wants. Well what Uh, We want to start with what the client wants, and we discover this by answering a simple question, why change? So what is the the trigger? What is the priority that is driving um, this buyer to seek change? The wants buyer in any buying decision is the decision maker. It's a decision maker inside an organization or a company or a group or a family if you're selling to consumers it's the the decision-maker is the person who asks the question why change and answers it answers it with here's what I want large goal large priority big big objective Um, then it's we go on to I which stands for impacts so we understand wants. now we want to understand the impacts of success failure or doing nothing Um, uh, the impact uh, the answer to that I'm sorry impacts is the answer to the question why now Uh, it's nice to want something but as salespeople we have to work with folks that want it now so I really want to qualify the impact of success failure or doing nothing so I can qualify that that buyer and the opportunity as one that we should both be spending time on too often uh, especially buyers in the B2B world look at salespeople not just as salespeople but as information sources so they oftentimes use us um, for education without any intent to buy it's our responsibility as leaders to make sure that uh, we do not fall into that trap okay so wants and impacts together uh, determine value for the client we understand the big goals by understanding what they want we understand the impact of success failure doing nothing Uh, by understanding what the expectations they have for the business case, those two things together create value. And when we start focusing here on when we're having conversations with the buyers, we, we position ourselves as the emotional favorite. We are actually making the entire conversation about them. This approach works face to face. This approach works in emails. It works with when you're cold calling uh, the biggest mistake you make with a with a cold email or any email, even if it's with a someone you know very well, is to start by talking about yourself. The biggest mistake you make when you're cold calling is by starting to talk about yourself. You have to earn the right to do that by first talking about what you know about the priorities and the impacts that the client you're talking to, the buyer you're talking to, wants to achieve. Is that a good place to start?
0: That is an excellent place to start. So. Going back when you talked about curiosity and clarity, does that play a part in every single one of those uh, functions that you're operating on as a salesperson?
1: Yes, it's, it's interesting. Um, so we, we rail against the way solution selling is oftentimes implemented. Many solution sellers uh, are experienced as, we experience as buyers, solution sellers who ask us questions mm-hmm. just to position their products. Not to under, truly understand what my goals and objectives are and the things that I care most about, but just just so that they can build a business case for their solution. And it becomes very obvious they're doing that insincere. And as Paul mentioned last time, this is how buyers lose trust. Mm-hmm. So yes, the curiosity is around achieving clarity. The clarity we're looking for is, is, what does that successful buying decision look like? How do we get to a successful buying decision that, gets both the buyer and me, the seller, where we want to be.
0: Yeah, and I think the interesting thing too, and I've had this happen in sales calls, you probably have too, I love it. This is my trophy. When I ask a question, and two or three people around the table look at each other and say, that's a great question. We've never really thought about that. So that tells you you're digging deeper, and you're going further than you should or need to. But it's also a value to them too, because you're pulling something out of uh, just the commentary that's taken place so yeah that's my trophy every time I hear that um, I I get a chill run up my back so
1: so that's a that's a really great point so in in, in last time you asked me how do people how do salespeople take that leadership position asking questions is the first and foremost way to do that Uh, to give the listeners an idea of what I mean um, many of us are trained to simply ask discovery questions where are you now you know where do you want to be um, a leader, uh, a servant leader, would also ask a, a provocative question, challenging the ideas the buyer has right now about where they are and where they could be. Have you thought about this? The f- other folks that we talk to in the industry are experiencing this. Are you experiencing the same thing? Would yeah. you like to experience so we're it? So we're stretching their ideas of what's possible. So discovery and provocative questions. The kind of question you talked about where someone says, well, I never thought of that, that's a great question. We call those good questions. Okay. Tough questions are the kinds of questions that make our clients uncomfortable. Yes. The other thing you have to do if you're truly gonna operate as a growth multiplier, a salesperson who competes and wins as a servant leader, you have to um, be able to walk into a, an organization and sit down with a buyer and be willing to challenge them, and to make them uncomfortable in a respectful way. But this is another way that we move them, we provoke them out of their their position of complacency into a position position where they're actually going to do something.
0: Okay, okay. So, so I, so I, just as I think about that and and talking with Paul too on the operational side, uh, what does it look like to be able to get? a team to go through this process? And how long does it take? And what can you expect in the short term, near term and long term?
1: Sure. Well, the wins, the wins process is one that you can you can execute in five minutes at a trade show. It's one that you can execute over five or 15 months of a sales cycle. Uh, it's really powerful. Um, we talked about wants and impacts mm-hmm. uh, in terms of using that to create the emotion to become the emotional favorite as you also heard no doubt heard it's a great they're a great place to qualify so if you don't want something big enough or you don't want something that matches what I can deliver then I'm going to qualify you out with my first question so that works really well at a trade show so instead of at a trade show handing gadgets and things out to people the first thing we'll ask them about is what their objectives are yeah And then we'll we'll ask them what kind of impact they expect to achieve. The reason impact is a powerful second question. It's the answer to the why now question is because it demonstrates that the client has thought about a business case. What's your goal? What's it worth? What do you want? What's the impact? We have to have this. um, And if they haven't thought about it, we then have to walk them through it. Once I do that, now I can step over to needs and solutions. Once I'm the emotional favorite, I can now move to, okay, great. The answer to why I buy is, what do you need? My favorite question there is, what's stopping you? You've told me what your, what your goals are, what the impact of success is, how come you're not there yet? Right. What's holding you back? Now we have a conversation, a real conversation around needs, and I can be provocative here by really testing my capabilities and whether or not those represent gaps for the client. The more of my capabilities they don't have today, Again, the better the better fit I have, but we're we're now talking about me and how I fit into their requirements after I've talked about where they want to be. Yeah, it's a different. It's an entirely different paradigm.
0: Totally, totally. So you can to to answer the question, just to repeat. You you can do it immediately, like you said at a trade show, but when you have this team and you're operali- operationalizing this, um, is it a two month, three month? plan or is it dependent are there dependencies and what are some of those dependencies for anyone listening who might be interested
1: sure um we have a our our first and most popular training program is one where we simply we simply call it um, sales as a leadership competency it's one day and after that day if you apply what you learned that day over a three-month period you should be able to improve uh, the production of your existing pipeline so your existing pipeline you should grow revenue by 21 to 43 percent just by applying what we teach you against your existing pipeline. So it's very simple. It's simple to learn. And once we walk you through a, a day of training, it's simple to apply. All that has to occur with the sales team to make it work is they have to be willing to adjust their mindset, right? Right. It's a uh, what, what you have to have is the willingness to be wrong um, and to recognize that if you're in a training class, and, you're, and the goal is to improve, then you must be willing to walk away from the things that aren't working for you. Uh, we give our clients uh, access to our developmental tools. One of the tools we have is, a, is a, something we call a KISS list. KISS stands for what will you keep, what will you improve, what will you stop, what will you start. So throughout the program, participants are writing down the things that, that we're recommending that they're already doing. That's the stuff I'm gonna keep. Perfect. The stuff that we recommend that they're already doing, but maybe not as well as they could, that's where they're gonna focus on improvement. But we know you can't start something unless you stop something typically, because our brains are full and, our, and we don't have lots of time <laughs> time available. So what will you stop? What are the things that you're doing, the habits, the practices, the thought processes, the tools you're using that aren't working What will you commit to stopping and then what about what we taught you will you add what you start doing. So that's one very simple way and once when you walk through the kiss list in a day session like that you leave actually with a developmental plan that your manager now can work with you to help you make sure that you execute over that three month period. And by the way, if if you if we if we agree to help you achieve any goal and you don't achieve it, then you don't pay us. We, we, are, we have a very strict promise about the kind of impact we're going to have for, our, for the organizations that we work with.
0: That's incredible. You don't hear that that often. So because you're changing, you're evolving a group, do you occasionally have people who just don't get on board? Because uh, I know a lot of salespeople I met in the past. It's like, no, my way works. I'm going to continue to do it my way. And then because this is a class and then some follow-up, I mean, how does that sales leader inside the business Are they equipped with things to help that person eventually change and work through the kiss
1: that's a great great question um so so uh we do have a managers only um program we walk folks we walk sales managers and leaders through that help them after they've gone through all these all the training programs that we have uh helps them bring everything together and help to help them activate um help to improve how they activate uh change within their organizations with regard to this first one day, um, we have we have a we have a very strict uh, rule, and I pardon, pardon me if I offend any ears, but we have a no bullshit rule in our class. Yeah. So every tra- every trainee, every participant is authorized and encouraged by me or by Paul uh, to raise their hand if they if they sense anything that we're saying is wrong. We call it the no bullshit rule, um, and if and if we cannot. Um, create clarity for you in that moment you, you're free to you're free to uh, a full refund and you actually you're you're free to fire us if we're in it working within your organization uh, because again if we can't if we can't impact you we don't want to be there and um, we don't want to force anything that's one thing the other thing is that we also recognize that our way is not the only way mm-hmm. so we will never ask um, a client to change a practice that works. Uh, as a as a salesperson, I've been through uh, lots and lots of training myself throughout my career, and I was always uh, highly discouraged by trainers who got up in front of the audience and who were obviously professors, not practitioners. And they were obvi- and they were really they were telling me there's only one way, which is their way, and it, that immediately turned me off and immediately prevented me from learning anything because I was I just had this. Uh, this barrier that prevented me from um, really welcoming anything the person had to say. So we do all we can to make sure that doesn't. we don't do the same thing for our clients. And we believe that there are lots of ways to be successful. Our goal is to, one, provide you with tools that will help you personally ov- overcome any barriers you may have. And then um, the other big benefit of this is most sales organizations are looking for um, a process and methodology that, that, that can be used to unite everyone and create a culture a sales culture that can drive growth but also th- also that allows them to integrate well with the rest of the organization correct last time we spoke about how funny it is when you walk into a plant and you see words like integrity on the wall but the sales team are encouraged to go do it sell any way they can yeah we want sales to be aligned with the rest of the organization and the core values that built that company and that that continues to build that company on top of loyal customers and profitable uh, business relationships.
0: Yeah. I mean, in, in the world that I live in too, every person is a representative of the brand, right? And to have that disconnect between the plant and the salespeople is really a disservice to the company and the brand. So I've fully fully buy into this idea and I, i'm sure our listeners will have uh questions as well so as we wrap up can you tell people how they get a hold of you learn more about your programs uh, or just contact you to have a conversation a little bit
1: more sure you can reach me directly at james at florist group.com f-l-o-r-i-s-s group.com you can uh, as soon as I respond to your email, you can book a call on my calendar. I'm happy to spend 30 minutes with anybody who has a question about how they can improve. We also have a ton of public training programs. We have uh, webinars, videos, and other, other uh, resources on the website that are available to folks. And you can visit the site and join the Growth Multiplier Movement just by subscribing to our monthly newsletter.
0: Thank you, James. It's been a pleasure uh, having you on the podcast today. So, listeners, visit the floor's Group com to learn more about empowering and transforming your sales team to become a modern customer centric sales organization
1: thanks for listening to today's minds on b2b podcast if you like what you heard today please subscribe also feel free to share this episode with your peers and colleagues so we can keep bringing you quality content from the best minds in b2b until next time from all of us at minds on have a great week